everybody. Dan Duva here, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. We're back with a Stanley Cup final edition of SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel in downtown Las Vegas. The Vegas Golden Knights win the Western Conference Championship, defeating the Winnipeg Jets in five games. And the Washington Capitals up next in the Stanley Cup final. We cover all the angles on SLGND and put this playoff run in context. George McPhee's current team against his old team. How have both clubs stayed loose? Consmite candidates discussed in the quiz. Plenty of Marc-Andre Fleury talk. Razor fold on the Golden Knights deadline transactions. Plus, Derek Stevens stops by to put this night's finals appearance into historic perspective for Las Vegas. The Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Final on SLGND. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave. All right, Dan Duva, thanks very much. Welcome to the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast, coming to you from the D Hotel. Right here on Fremont Street in downtown Vegas. Great to have you here. The Stanley Cup final edition of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND. Great to have you with us. Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, all present and accounted for. Unlike last time. Unlike last time when I was somewhere else. Game seven. Doing radio in Nashville. I thought you were there again today. And Shane thought I was there again today. Came in. Everything was set up just how I like it. And here we go. Uh, When we all jumped on board for this back, I don't know, Gary, when did you start? In June, I guess. June 7th. And Shane and I and Dan were a little bit later in the game, I guess early August officially. Well, actually started September, beginning yeah. of September. Yeah, by the time we actually got here, yeah. that's right. Um, I think they announced our hiring on August 16th. Yeah. So we all saw this coming, obviously. <laughs> Which was the Golden Knights in, you know, we say the best story in sports keeps getting better. Here they are getting ready for the Stanley Cup final as we uh, sit here with you right now. The Stanley Cup final begins next Monday. Here they are against the Washington Capitals, and, you know, I'm sure we've all done our fair share of interviews uh, over the last few days getting ready for this series, but there's still a big part of me, guys, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. It just, it boggles my mind that we're even talking about this. It shouldn't because we've got an up-close and personal look at this team all year, but when you factor everything into it, the most amazing season in the NHL, certainly in their long history, maybe even in pro sports, and here they are still playing into the Stanley Cup final shape. Well, I think there, there's not enough adjectives to describe the season that's gone gone on this year. And you're right. When you look at it from a broad perspective, what they've been able to accomplish, it's an historic season. It's never been done. It won't be done again. I'm pretty safe saying that. You never know. I, shouldn't, I can't predict the future. Or at least if I could, I, yeah, I'd be a lot better off. But uh, right now, there, there's been nothing done like this I think in pro sport, it's truly remarkable what they do in, in the first year, a team to have this amount of success. But when I look inside, and, and I think maybe the, the guys that are least surprised are the players. And I think as we've come along, all of us have recognized there is a unique chemistry in that room when you put a bunch of guys that carry a lot of pride, that want to prove a lot of people wrong, and were formed early on with the right leadership from the coaching staff management through that dressing room to prove people wrong. And they just continued to build step by step all year, build confidence, uh, build a little bit of a swag to their game. And 
Now when I look at it, what they've rolled through, this team doesn't surprise me. They, there is, they are not phased by anything. They are fearless. They play that way, and they have fun, and they enjoy one another. And that is something that can't be overlooked, is that connection, that chemistry that is in the room. That is a big part of being a top team or a championship team. It's a point now, too, Gary, where, look, nobody – you can go back and look in August, September, or even early October, where nobody predicted them, A, to, to do much of anything. And, I, look, I, I get it. Um, a year ago at this time, they didn't have any players. They had no players. They had a team. They had no players. And now they've kind of, I think, taken it upon themselves to prove people wrong all season long. And they've done that through winning the division. You know, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. Nobody think, thought they were going to beat L.A. Nobody thought, they, you know, outside of where we sit. Nobody thought they had a chance against San Jose. Then they beat, in five games, a really, really good Winnipeg team. And it seems like they just, they thrive on it. And they want to thrive on it for one more round here and win the, whole, the ultimate prize. If you just focus on the playoffs, yeah. they've put themselves in position to succeed by how efficient they've been. That four-game sweep of L.A. set them up to be fresh against San Jose. They went six with San Jose, but Winnipeg... They started earlier than Winnipeg. Winnipeg ended up going seven. Uh, they had four. They had six days off, I believe, uh, between that series. Winnipeg went straight from Nashville back home and played the next day. By the time that series was over, Winnipeg didn't have much left. They they, they looked pretty pretty gassed by the end of that series. And now again, you know, they'll have eight days between games. They they finished on a Sunday. They're going to play start on Monday. Washington will have some time off as well, but uh, Washington's played four more playoff games than the Golden Knights, and that's they've just given themselves every opportunity to succeed. All of the things that Shane spoke about, that, 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 that's Shane's bailiwick, right? He walks into a dressing room, he, he watches a game, he watches the body language amongst guys and understands that from a team perspective better than, than us three journalists uh, uh, could understand but it's really easy to look at the outside picture and see what they've done to put themselves into this position and they're healthy they're fresh and they're hungry and I love the Marcia so quote yesterday what all we got is a hat <laughs> okay. we got nothing someone said it's a real, he said someone said it's a really nice hat he goes it's just a hat and th that that hunger that is still there, he's become a little, uh, uh, I don't think, he's not the captain, but he's yeah. become a special leader with the word that Shane used, swag. You gotta have confidence that you can win at this time of the year. And I think Jonathan Marcheseau, he's like a beacon in that respect, and the guys are feeding off of him a little bit. And I think, you know, it's interesting too, Dan, we were around him after they, they won the West last Sunday. Um, and the feeling that I think we walked away with was they're happy with what they've done, proud of what they've done, but far from satisfied. And they realize that they've got four more big wins to come here if, if this is really going to be the season they want it to be. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We were thinking about in Winnipeg, that tunnel where that Campbell Bowl is trotted down and into the room where they're celebrating. And I couldn't help but think how a few hours earlier, Gary, I had interviewed Jonathan Marcheseau. And it wasn't a regular interview. Jonathan decided he wanted to do the interview with me at the same time as his pregame massage. 
<laughs> where Raul works out his legs and stretches him. And the last question I asked in that interview, and I said, Jonathan, you know, a lot of fans would assume that in these kinds of moments, Stanley Cup final berth on the line, you guys would be tense. You seem pretty loose. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and uh, we somehow managed to uh, not devolve into laughter on the air. But he, he I think, really took a, a sense of how important it was not to feel the pressure and indeed to feel loose. And Shane, I think that I'd be interested in your reaction to this. Hearing some of the players on the Washington Capitals talk about this was not supposed to be their year. Last season, they might have had more talent. They should have gone farther. Maybe less pressure on the Capitals this year. Maybe that helps them get to another round. I wonder for the Golden Knights that they were supposed to be. 31st, bottom five. They go through the whole season with no expectations and how much that might help them get to this point because they don't feel that pressure and they are apparently figuratively and literally loose. Well, pressure is a big factor of it in, in a lot of ways is you feel the pressure, everybody expects you to win, then you start hearing everybody telling you how good you are and then, well, okay, we're going to win. No, there, there needs to be a work. And it's funny you mentioned the Capitals this season. Uh, the one thing we've known about the Golden Knights, and, and Gerard Gallant said it from day one with them, we're going to work hard. And then the key, we're going to have fun. You can't forget as a player, this is still supposed to be fun. I'll tell you what, when you're out of the game, you really recognize how much fun it was. Uh, and then the Capitals, you go back and, and you saw, I go back to game six, where, you know, Tampa took control. And then all of a sudden you see these guys, Braden Holtby was coming in. They talked about needing to more enjoy the moment. Saw Barry Trotz doing the fastest lap, their head coach before game seven. That's how you get loose. If you're not loose, if you're all wound up, if you're tight, squeezing your stick, which I think Tampa was in the last two games, which I think Winnipeg started to do because they got frustrated, that maybe that's that pressure mounting. You've got to find a way to stay loose. Both these teams have. Both these teams are in the final. You talk about saying loose, Shane. I don't know if there's anybody any looser than Marc-Andre Fleury. And we see yeah. some of the stuff he does, kind of doing the wave during the game, rubbing the goalpost, tapping the puck up in the air and grabbing it. Um, He's always got a smile. The tickle. Yeah, that's to, it, the smile yeah. underneath that mask. Oh, my God. You, you know, you don't, you don't see that, right? No. The tickle to Blake Wheeler's ear. Like I said to him after a practice recently, hey, Mark, do, do you think maybe we could put a microphone on you so we can hear what you're saying during the games? Just, just in the broadcast booth so yeah. the four of us can hear. We don't have to air it live. Yeah. We just want to know what you're saying to your teammates and to the refs and maybe the opponents. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And someone with his pedigree, three Stanley Cups. So here he is in the final for the third year in a row you know and he, he carried Pittsburgh through the first two rounds in another game in the playoffs last year before Matt Murray came back and took over but now for Flurry, an opportunity pretty rare territory for a goaltender first off no one's gone to a final three years in a row since the Islanders dynasty back in the early 80s no one's done it in terms of a player um, now he's got a chance to win his fourth cup and have it really be his baby you know back to back with Pittsburgh's one thing but Matt Murray was in net when they won each of those cups this is a different deal for him first player that the Golden Knights took in the expansion draft and I've got to believe this recipe he's had all year long of really enjoying the moment he'll carry over throughout the Stanley Cup final Ron you guys talked about it three factors where Marc-Andre Fleury is so important to this team number one the experience yeah. that that you know that is so much value in that room for those other players for guys who haven't been through it so he's a leader 
You know, usually it's the players, but they got a goaltender. He, you know, if you could put a C, quite possibly Marc-Andre Fleury would wear the C. The other thing, the calming influence. He, he calms them with his personality, with his presence. That's the one. And then maybe the biggest one, he's a calming influence because those guys know when they make a mistake, because another team's going to get those chances, he makes the key save at the right time. They know he's going to come up. He's gonna, first of all, you need a goaltender to make the saves he's supposed to. Then you need him to come up with maybe one, two, maybe three that he shouldn't. And Marc-Andre Fleury has done that all year and all through the playoffs. And the confidence he gives to his other players the calming presence, if you want to call it, uh, that they know if they make a mistake, he is there. That, it, that's immeasurable. It just it, it goes so far for his teammates. I've got a couple of wicked stats on Flower. I'm saving that for the quiz. Oh, good. Ooh. Ooh. Can't no. wait. But <laughs> There's a quiz? Uh, uh, that Shane is, uh, you know, Shea uh, Theodore was telling me the other day, to what you were talking about, Dan, when the puck is flying around there and, and Flurry is in scramble mode and he says he's hooting and hollering out there. There is a ton of noise. It's been documented that he yells at players when he makes a save. And he's like having a blast. Yeah. And he's like Shea said, you, you're in the moment and you're scrambling to clear the puck. And you hear this crazy hooting and hollering is the only way to say it in the background. <laughs> and you're like, all right, this is no big deal. This is no big thing. And I, I, I know a guy who's won a number of championships in hockey, and he said to me, you've got to make the games normal. He said, you know it's a Stanley Cup game. You know it's a clinch, it's a clinch game. you got to be yourself, and you, you just got to approach it like this is game 35, and you're, you're going to go do your job. If you get all wound up on what's happening yeah. at that moment, you, you pressurize yourself, and you... You, you do things you're not supposed to do. You try and be more, you're afraid to make mistakes. That whole apprehension thing, you can't have that. And Flurry is like, he's, the meat, he's the meat thermometer, man. Yeah. You, stick yeah. it in, you stick it in the steak and it tells you it's rare. He's the guy that keeps it there. The ability. That's a bad analogy. It didn't work. Yeah. There's something there. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll polish it up. Oh, sorry. Between that analogy and Dave almost getting knocked out by the microphone. I was going to say, <laughs> a sizable nose to what deal with What is going here? on here? Big uh, meet thermometer. Um, George McPhee's impact on this, right? Oh. So 20 years, or 17 years, he's with the Capitals. And 11 of the 20 guys in the lineup last night were his draft picks. Right. And, all, and most of the big ones, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Holtby, right? Carlson, right on down the line. Who's a a numbers guy said to me today that 75% of Washington's production and their two goalies <laughs> yeah. drafted by George McPhee. Right. So I, I, fingerprints doesn't do it justice. No, and you look at what he did That's there. That's his DNA in that organization. Yeah. Hasn't been back to the Cup final in 20 years since his first year as the GM of the of the Capitals, and then you back to you can't write this stuff. He comes to Vegas, builds this team, and in their first year of existence, they go to the Cup final against his old team. Um, his impact on this is beyond belief on both sides of it, but I've got to believe in knowing him the way we do a little bit. I don't think he's going to get into it too much throughout this series. Understandably so. He has to, this has to be enormously gratifying for him that in year one, he was able to build a team that goes so far at least to a Stanley Cup final. We'll see where it goes from here. And he's got an opportunity 
to beat the team he worked for for 17 years. Like, you can't even, again, it's another chapter in the book that nobody would believe anyways. Well, yeah, I think he's proud of the, his team here, the Golden Knights, and uh, I can't speak for him how he'd feel. I know how I felt just in a much lesser situation having worked and covered the Winnipeg Jets for the last six years and then coming here one year and beating them in the last round. This is magnified times 100 for George. So I'm sure there'll be some strange feelings while this goes on, but certainly uh, I don't question his, his amount of pride that he has for these group of guys he selected uh, in year one and has put together what has been an, you know, an unbelievable season and a, an amazing run in playoffs to put them in the finals. So uh, I'm sure it'll be a, a bit of emotions for him as this, uh, the Stanley Cup finals go along. And yeah, think about this, guys where somebody comes from. George wins the Hobie Baker Award at Bowling Green back in 1982. His playing career, I'd have to believe, didn't quite live up to what he thought it could. He played several years in the NHL, but never was an all-star, never was a, a regular contributor. Late in his career, he's playing with the Rangers, a little time with the Devils. He decides he's going to go get a law degree at Rutgers in Newark, New Jersey and how that springboards him to an internship with the Vancouver Canucks and then gets involved in the front office there. Eventually becomes the assistant GM, runs the minor league team, and then Vancouver gets to play the Rangers in the Stanley Cup final and loses. Think about just trying to get to a championship, what you want to fulfill as a player, and you don't quite get there. You go up against a team that you played for as a front office person, doesn't work out. First year with the Capitals, you get to the finals, you can't win. I can't imagine the fulfillment, knowing how close George was a few times, trying to sort of fulfill that potential that we all have the confidence in ourselves to do what we do at a very high level. And how George now, you know, it's been 25 years since that series against the Rangers where he was in the front office with Vancouver. And it's been even longer since he was a player. So just thinking back where you've come from to where you are now, I think that's the really interesting thing for me. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I mean, the, the storylines going into the series are, again, you couldn't really, you couldn't dream them up. But it's the Golden Knights and the Capitals and the Stanley Cup final. The series will start next Monday on Memorial Day here in Vegas. Game two coming up next Wednesday. Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Day Podcast, coming to you from the D Hotel, right? here on Fremont Street outside on the stage in Vegas, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. A reminder for you fans, if you're looking for a place to eat with the family and grab a drink and with a friend as well, you can check out McKenzie River Pizza at City National Arena in downtown Summerlin. Brand new restaurant opened just a few months, of course. Full service bar overlooks both sheets of ice where the Golden Knights practice. Check it out, McKenzie River Pizza. Com. The Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Day podcast coming to you from the D Hotel in downtown Vegas. Quiz time. Dan Duva? Now we sort what do you of, got? We sort of alluded to this earlier, but uh, and I almost blurted it out during our discussion about Marc-Andre Fleury, who has got to be among the favorites for the Conn Smythe. And remember that Conn Smythe was not really in the conversation for him in previous Stanley Cup runs. So does Fleury win the Conn Smythe regardless of who wins this Stanley Cup final. Remember, Con Smythe is the playoffs MVP, not necessarily the finals MVP, but the playoffs MVP. 
does Flurry win the Conn Smythe regardless of who wins the series? And there is some precedent there. And Dave, since uh, you were not with us uh, last yeah. edition, why don't you kick off this round? So when's the last guy to win? It was uh, was it J.S. J.S. Jaguar yeah, with, with the Ducks, uh, the Ducks, in Ducks 03, against right? the Devils, and Marty Brodeur was great for New Jersey in that postseason too. But Jaguar on a losing yeah. side did win it. Ron Hextall did it with the Flyers in '87, right? They lost to Edmonton. Um, I'm gonna say if they lose. He, it's gonna, it's gonna depend on how they lose. You know, if they lose in five games, sake of argument, and three of the five are not real close, and somebody has a phenomenal final for Washington, then he probably, as great as he's been the first three rounds, I think it's gonna depend. Now we're painting the worst case scenario that they lose, quite obviously by the nature yeah. of the question. Um, if they lose, it depends on how they. If they win, hands down. He's the Conn Smythe winner. You know, and there's other guys on this team that have had great playoffs. Marcia Sow's right at the top of the list, among others. But um, I don't think, I do think the outcome matters and how it happens. So, yeah, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. As great as he's been, there's still, you know, if they do, if the worst case scenario happens, it's going to, to my opinion, anyways, how they potentially would lose. But obviously, that's the glass half empty, anyways. That was a fantastic tap dance. Pretty good, isn't I it? I don't know what the if answer they lose. was, but that was a lot. Yeah. I'm going to say if they win, he does. If they don't, he doesn't. Even if he stands on his head in the final? No. I, I just think if for Washington to win, they're going to need somebody to step up, and that somebody's going to be the guy that has been. And I look to Ovechkin. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, he, he is, he's a different. Ovi right now, uh, the way he played against Tampa, and it, it's not always about goals, just the way he's carrying, the way he's playing. Uh, if Washington's going to have a chance to win, he'll be a, he'll be a huge part of it, and uh, he'd be very likely that uh, he would be the one that might get the con smite, but I don't see it. I still see Vegas winning this, and, and Fleury, if they win, it's all his. Gary? Marc-Andre Fleury is going to win the con smite trophy. No ifs, ands, or buts. He has a save percentage of 947 after 15 games. Of the 139 goalies in Stanley Cup history who have played 15 games or more, none of them have had a 940 save, save percentage at this juncture. Uh, the guys that have won the Conn Smythe that, on teams that have lost, most of them are goalies. Jaguar, Roger Crozier, Glenn Hall, Ron Hextall, as we just mentioned. Uh, and the level of play that he's at right now, four shutouts already, including two in closeout games, uh, he's not going to abate. He's going to, it's it's just going to continue. He's going to win the Cotsmyth. Even if they lose four straight. He's going to win the Cotsmyth. <laughs> Sticking to his guns. Okay. Well, uh, I, I, it's, it's so interesting because we don't know what, plays out in the final. Exactly. And when you think about what happened, we talk about Jaguar and Brodeur that year, 2003. If it wasn't Jaguar, Brodeur was the obvious guy for New Jersey on the losing side. It's not as though Braden Holtby is the obvious choice for Washington. It's not as though we're picking between two goldies. Right. Uh, I think in my assessment, it's if the Caps win, it's Ovechkin. If the Golden Knights win, it's going to be Fleury. Right. So uh, I'm not qualifying it because I'm saying something else here. Yeah. He's going to win the Consmite. All right. Yeah. All right, well, Gary's got the guts. So he's got Vegas winning. Right. That's what he's qualified. There you go. There you go. <laughs> It'll be the second trophy he gets that night. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on to question number two. Would you take the GM job in Seattle? Seattle is likely to enter the National Hockey League in a couple of seasons. 32nd team. Would you take that job? Dave Gosher? 
For sure. Why wouldn't you? I mean, if you're a GM sitting there right now and you see the success that the Golden Knights have had, and by all accounts, let's say they come in in two years, sake of argument, similar rules in the expansion draft are going to exist. Players, you can only protect a certain amount of players, a couple of different models, which whatever one you think best suits your team. Absolutely. I, it, I would be encouraged and it would strengthen my thoughts on taking a job with an expansion team. You know, they've shown this year this doesn't have to be the Ottawa Senators coming in 25 years ago and winning 10 games. This can be, and look, this is, this is obviously off the charts what they've done, but let's say you take over Seattle in a couple of years and you just fight for a playoff spot. Now, the, the Golden Knights have set the bar ridiculously high for expansion teams, but no question. I would, especially knowing, and again, if it's whatever's reported, if this is accurate, those rules are going to be in place. I would take that in a heartbeat, a heartbeat. Sheriff? I agree. Without question, I would take this job. And, and why is everybody thinks that the, the success of Vegas, well, now every GM is going to be having, I guarantee that the new GM, he's got a blueprint already to follow, but he's going to add to it and he's going to make adjustments. There's always a way around it. But the biggest thing is, I think a lot of GMs, especially either the ones that got the high-end talent, there's a, I would say over half the GMs would love to have a blank canvas of contracts. Gary? The whole, everything, everyone keeps saying, oh, the next time that they have expansion, no one's going to want to no, make a deal. Uh, they're just going to put, they're just going to say, take number 11. No chance. No chance oh, because no. of the mistakes and the problems that an existing roster and cap structure has. You want to try and get out. These guys are smart guys. Someone in their organization is going to say, if we do this and this, we can get rid of that contract. And we don't really like that guy anyways. So we'll give him, it'll happen again. And... Uh, it, to me, there are mistakes to be made, and also we're finding out that the level of talent in today's NHL player, they can all, so many of them can skate. There are guys that if you, if you don't give them opportunity and you ask them to sit on their toe, on their heels all night, they're not gonna produce. But if you put them in a place like William Carlson, et cetera, et cetera, Nate Schmidt, and on and on and on, they'll succeed. Uh, to me, it's actually, it's a really favorable position. I think it's to have, better than Vegas. As had. Shane says, I don't know about that, but uh, well, as, in the, the sense that George didn't have a blueprint, they've got a blueprint. Yes, to exactly. Follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and the, the best thing you said, the blanks, the, the the blank slate, the blank sheet. That is, in with the salary cap in today's world, that's a huge advantage. Just as interesting to me, guys. Not only the expansion draft and acquiring player talent, but front office talent that George McPhee has, Kelly McCrimmon, and Vaughn Carpin, and David Conti, and how many other scouts that had been working for a couple of years to trust those guys to find the right players that would fit, plus you have to have the right people who know the salary cap and all of that. So I, I'd be just as interested in what people or, or who fills in in those other positions. Okay, question number three. If you are an unrestricted free agent in just uh, a few weeks now, I can't believe, you know, it's... it's Middle of May, we're talking about free agency coming up. If you're in a, a UFA, how hard do you look at Las Vegas? Very. I, again, I don't know what, how you wouldn't. If, if you, from afar, look, and Shane, you know, all players talk. All players talk. And, you know, you bump into guys here and there across the league. 
there's a lot of guys that will want to come play here. Now, it's not feasible for everybody, but if you look from afar at the success this team's had, no state income tax in the state of Nevada, quality of life in Vegas slash the Summerlin area, the success they've had on the ice, um, I, you know, if you were going to draw up a list of players, now if some players want to stay in a certain region of the country or they want to play in Canada, then no. But if you are f really open to going to a team, and here's a scary thought, and Bill Foley has mentioned this, he thinks they could be even better next year. Oh, no. Which is, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. they're, they're going to play for a Stanley Cup here. Now a lot's going to happen, right? I mean, yeah. can, you, can you have another magical season? Who knows? But, yeah, the answer is, without a doubt, I would look at it, and I would look at it real hard if I was a, if I was a free agent. Shane, you've had to uh, look upon this as a player yourself. What do well, you think? Well, no better time than to, to make my announcement. I actually still am a UFA, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to put in the time this summer. Sheriff and, coming uh, back. Out of retirement. Uh, I wish. If, if the body would allow me, I actually <laughs> would try and do it, because this would be one place that would draw me back. And Dave mentioned all the reasons. Uh, tremendous coach, tremendous organization, management. It's first class through and through, and that is known league-wide. And I'm not going to mention names, but some significant players have said, man, how do I get there? How do I? I'm like, well, hey, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> there is a ton of players that see Vegas as a highly desirable place, not only to play, but to live. And, you know, my last year, you know, I started, you look around the league, a lot of places, I was in Ottawa, it's 50% tax. Tell you what, that same salary is a lot more attractive here. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big part of it, too. It's, uh, there, there's just so many reasons, and it is known league-wide. Uh, there'll be a lot of players that, uh, you know, if, if contacted, uh, they're certainly interested. Gary, how about you? Yeah, absolutely. Are you going to come back too? And I'll go. No, yeah, <laughs> I'll go to, to 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 one moment in particular. At the trade deadline, who put more in the pot to try and get Eric Carlson more than anybody else? The expansion Vegas Golden Knights. If you're a player out there and you're looking at that, you're going, okay, you've got a GM who knows how to draft and develop. Look at the Washington Capitals. McPhee built that franchise, built that organization. So you know you're going to have the foundation. But then you've also got a GM who has the stones to say, we're good. I'm all in. And to try and go get better. To me, if you're a player, you're going to get rich, okay? Evander Kane signed a seven by seven year contract Ouch. today, which, you know, to me is a bit of a, of a head scratcher, but what? But, but you can get you, the money is out there. You're gonna get rich. Do you want to be rich and lose, or do you want to be rich and win? And if you want to be rich and, and you want to win, this looks like a really good place to be, and uh, also a pretty good spot to live too. Uh, nothing against the other NHL cities, but can you beat this? No, no. Can't believe you brought up Kane, Gary. Just trying to. Seven million <laughs> times seven. To work one one thirty goal season. Do you know what his average of games played per year is? Sixty three. Uh -oh. He's yeah. always injured. Good luck with that, San Jose. Well, there you have it. There's the quiz and uh, the three stars pending. You all were very tight there in each question, so we'll uh, we'll save the three stars for the final segments there, Dave Gosher. All you right. had a pretty good showing, though. I'll tell you that. All right, fair enough. Um, Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast, coming to you from the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights Western Conference champion.
Western uh, Vegas Golden Knights. They're going to play for a Stanley Cup here coming up in the not-too-distant future against the Washington Capitals in the Cup Final for the first time in 20 years and for the first time in the Alex Ovechkin era as well. Time for questionable behavior. A little bit of a discussion here. Brendan Shanahan. So talk about the hockey. Well, I don't know if it's the hockey capital of the world. It's the self-proclaimed hockey capital of the world <laughs> in Toronto. Yeah. Having said that, they haven't won a Stanley Cup in 51 years. No, they've got the Hockey Hall of Fame, <laughs> so they got Fine. that okay. going for them. But that's yeah. on a separate note. How rare this is for Vegas with a chance to win it. You know how many times the New York Rangers have won the Stanley Cup in the last 78 years? One time. They went 54 years without one. They won once. They've gone 24 more. Yeah. 78. So it tells you how rare this is. But anyway, it's just a brief rant from Dave. <laughs> Dave um, on a tangent. What about Brendan Shanahan's decision um, to go with young Kyle Dubas as their general manager in that market? Um, you know, Lou Lamarillo goes. Mark Hunter goes. Um, Sheriff, how do you size up in that marketplace? A decision to go with somebody. Is he Kyle 30? Kyle Dubas, 30 years old? I mean, I'm he's not young. Sure. Young guy. Young guy to say the least. Well, I, I this would be more for Gary, who's this is his, this is his specialty, the, the insider behind the scenes. Uh, I'm not shocked by it. I think it's it's a power struggle up top. Shanahan wants more power. Lamarillo's gone. Uh, he'll have more power with a guy like Kyle Dubas than he would with a Mark Hunter. Um, it, you know, this is uh, that said, uh, I guess, you know, he, he's all in with Dubas that, that he brought him in. They've had the meetings. This is the guy that he's been grooming. I think part of it, that was it right from the start with Lamarillo to kind of show him the way. Uh, and Dubas would eventually become the guy. So I'm not that shocked by it. But Gary will certainly know a lot more behind. Well, first off, he's 32 years old. 32. Secondly, okay. you know, running the, that for facts. Yeah, the minus later. Facts are stubborn things. Toronto Marley's the American League affiliate for the Maple Leafs. It's been an outstanding run. Uh, they lost in the second round last year. They are having a terrific postseason this year. Frankly, I'd be surprised if they don't win the Calder Cup. Um, you know, you've had uh, Sheldon Keefe as the head coach there, but a lot of the prospects have been put in place. You know, Shanahan at the top and Lamarillo, but Kyle Dubas, of course, has been influential there too. Gary, what do you think? Well, he's been influential, but with all the players drafted by Mark Hunter. Like, when you're the GM of an American Hockey League team, you do some important stuff. But the players are given to you by who the director of scouting gives you, and that was Mark Hunter. George McPhee has a law degree. Kelly McCrimmon has an MBA. McPhee played in the NHL. McCrimmon played uh, major junior and then NCAA. High-level hockey guys with high level of education. The trifecta in charge of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Kyle Dubas is the GM. He has uh, uh, lots of education, never played junior hockey. Brandon Pridham is the one assistant GM, lots of education, never played. Played junior A, not major junior, for a very short time. And now Lawrence Gilman, they hired him today. He's got a law degree from uh, North Dakota, never played, uh, never played past, uh, you know, AAA midget if he played that at that, at that level. So um, I, I think that there's, there's lots to be said for the new style front office. There's also lots to be said for the hybrid that they have here in Vegas, where you're educated and you also have the hockey chops. And I think that they're missing something in Toronto. Now they got all summer to go and find some guys to, and they've got all the money in the world. They can flesh that out. And Brendan Shanahan, if he was listening to this, might say, well, I'm a Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, 
it will be very interesting. To, but Shanahan's got other things to do. He's running the business, and he's not on the in the he's not involved in the day to day. I'm sure he's very involved in the big decisions, but all the little things that have to happen on a day to day basis, he's not in the he's not in the muck on that side of it. I, it's really interesting, and especially when you consider they've got to make decisions on Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. Nylander, all these young guys are going to want want to get paid, and they're going to have to figure out how they're going to how they're going to fit them all underneath 82 million or whatever the cap is. I think they're missing some experience. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I think that there is a some sort of success in Toronto that the folks there can get behind a little bit. So you got a little capital for Brendan Shanahan, but Lou Lamarillo, after a few years, ends up with the New York Islanders to run the show there. If I'm a Leafs fan, I'm wondering, well, gee, uh, why not ask Lou to stick around a little bit longer? I, I, I don't know. I, I wish I were in that room and to know the situation a little bit better, but we'll see. Time will tell. The other thought I have on it, and it's not, it's not a great comparison, but in baseball, <coughs> Theo Webstein took over the Boston Red Sox. He was 28 years old. Two years later, they won the World Series. So now you can say he took over a team that was a pretty damn good team, and he made it better. Um, if you have good people around you, and I guess you can make an argument, as Gary laid out, you know, does he have enough <coughs> hockey people around him that um, – to help him make good decisions and kind of walk him through it. And, you know, you were saying, Dan, like, how old was John Jacob when he took over in Arizona? Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he's, I like, he is still only 29 years old. Is that right? How old is, uh, how old is he? That's still a work Tw in progress. 28 years. 28. Yeah. It'll be 29 in two weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that the Coyotes are going to win a Stanley yeah. Cup in his first couple of years running the Coyotes. Yeah, I I think it's very questionable. The only, as I say, if you have the right people around you to kind of insulate you a little bit from it, but good luck in that marketplace. Yeah. In that marketplace, that could be that could <laughs> be a battle. That could be a battle, to say the least. Uh, the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Jay podcast, coming to you from the G Hotel in downtown Vegas, the official hotel of your Vegas Golden Knights. Reminded for you, we're brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including world-class golf, fly fishing, hunting, horse batting, horse back riding. <laughs> Or horse batting. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fun. We should try that. Not sure time. if you're the horse if it's that much fun. <laughs> and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now at Rock Creek Cattle Company.com. Sheriff Lala, some guy named Dave Podcast, coming to you from the D Hotel. In downtown Vegas, of course, the Golden Knights getting set to open up the Stanley Cup final. Believe it or not, the Stanley Cup final against the Washington Capitals coming up next Monday here at T-Mobile Games. Game one on Monday, game two on Wednesday night. Of course, we have a, a guest here, as usual, on the Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast. And uh, Derek Stevens is going to jump in from the D Hotel here in downtown Vegas. Runs the whole show. Runs downtown Vegas for the most part. <laughs> oh, I don't know. How you doing, guys? I'm uh, good, Derek. We're good. How are you? What's uh, what's shaking? Just another quiet sports time here for you in Vegas. Oh sure. my! What what a game that was. Game seven with the Caps. Yeah. 
Oh, you know, we're excited. Uh, you know, a lot of people asked who are you rooting for. Well, I mean, I was I was definitely rooting for the Caps just because I'm looking forward to a game one and game one and two, and then you know if you have to go five and seven. So I think it it uh, it helped out the goal tonight. So I was pretty excited the other night. I was going to say I would have loved to have a camera. How, how was it there in that maybe last minute of game five against Winnipeg? Holy smokes! <laughs> oh my, it was unbelievable. We uh, we actually put it out on our. Uh, on our uh, Facebook and our Twitter, I think at the, at the D's Facebook and Twitter, the Downtown Las Vegas Event Center, and uh, boy, the pictures were just amazing, weren't they? It was great. Your thoughts here, Derek. So you've, you've been here a long time, and they make an announcement they're going to have an NHL team in Vegas, and you've been on board here pretty quick. You've been you know, deeply involved with us and sponsoring our podcast, and, but when you sit back, does it blow your mind? that this team is going to be playing for a Stanley Cup starting next Monday. I mean, this, this is really unbelievable. This is, this is uh, taking hockey to a level um, of, of a national, a national and international sports story, um, the, the Golden Knights are, right? This is so unprecedented um, and really so unbelievable. Such, a, you know, when you think of what everybody was thinking about a year ago, this was never, I think, in anyone's wildest dreams. I mean, even even our owner, um, you know, Bill Foley, always said uh, playoffs in three and a cup in six. <laughs> and and uh, I know uh, I know James Neal ripped him a little bit by getting out of him and saying, "Why can't we win now?" But uh, but but you know, you think you know to have a, a brand new team, you don't know what you're going to get, and uh, and to have these guys gel like this, and with such a great coach and general manager, and 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 now to see all the all the smarts that went on behind the scenes beforehand, really really just amazing. You've been around Vegas for a while, Derek. Yeah, I would you know how does this compare to like say. Holyfield, uh, McGregor, Pacquiao, Mayweather, like where, sorry, not Holyfield, uh, Mayweather, uh, McGregor, and then all, all the big fights that have been here over the years and, and UNLV and their big run. Where does this rank in terms of uh, the announcement of the Raiders, the announcement of the Golden Knights? Where does this rank in terms of the biggest moments in sporting history in Las Vegas? Yeah, Gary, that, that's a good question. That, that's something I haven't been asked, but I could tell you, I used to come out to the fights and, uh, you know, and you see Hearns Hagler and you saw Bo Holyfield and uh, some of these great fights at the back of Caesars Palace. And uh, I was at Bo Holyfield, uh, that fan man fight. And that, that's partly why I love, I love these outdoor venues. I think some, sometimes outdoor, outdoor venues for sporting events are pretty, are pretty special. It's kind of why I did the boxing at the event center and, and things like this. Uh, I, I would tell you the the energy on those weeks leading up to it was was electrifying in, in Las Vegas. There's no question. It's different now, though, and I can say it's different for a couple of reasons. Uh, Las Vegas wasn't as big, you know, 25 years ago. It was only a quarter of the size on population. Now, a couple million people here. It's different. The other element that's different is that. When you had a big fight, when you had a Tyson Lennox Lewis fight or something like that, 
you generally had, you know, 60% rooting for somebody and 40% for the other. Um, you know, it's usually always about 60-40, maybe 50-50, but, but you've never had something where you've got 100% of all the fans, 100% of the community around this. So it's different. It's, uh, it's just an awesome, awesome feeling to be in Las Vegas right now. Great answer, Derek. What do you have um, lined up here? for the cup final. What do you got planned at the D or around here? What's shaking over the next couple of weeks? Oh, well, you know, we're, we're going to be doing uh, we're going to be doing our watch parties at the downtown <laughs> Las Vegas event center. We've uh, we've had a good time uh, doing this out here. It's a free event for everybody. Uh, we're doing uh, we're doing game two through uh, through the end of the series. Uh, we've got a concert on game one, so we're doing it inside the D. But on game two through the rest of the series, we're doing our watch zone parties. And, uh, you know, it's, when you look at what's going to happen on game three and game four when, uh, when we're on the road in Washington, uh, this is the closest uh, feeling and energy you could get to being inside a T-Mobile. The energy is just, just yeah. phenomenal. I got to ask, so I got to ask this question to you. I use the word routine, but are you superstitious? Is there a certain outfit, a certain hat, shoes, or a way you get dressed? Or is there any way you as a fan prepare for the games? Well, think or about you this, Shane. I'm, I'm in Las Vegas. I own a casino. Yeah. You're damn right. I'm superstitious as can be. <laughs> you know, I think we all are. Banksy yeah. wears the same outfit if we win. Oh, my. He's on a run with that one. And, uh, you know, I've been mixing my outfits up, and... On the first uh, the first game against Winnipeg, I, I had a, a a newly designed outfit, American flag down one side, Canadian flag down the other, the Golden Knights logo on my back, and I had I had a, a saying: This is when the Vegas Golden Knights are North America's team. And unfortunately, we lost that game, so now that one's in the permanent <laughs> archive. So it's, yeah, that only got worn one time, and it's out. Uh, so it's I've good. got a, I've got a special Stanley Cup outfit that's getting delivered tomorrow. Nice. I will be I will be ready to go long. And you know these are these are tough because I have so much I want to put on there. Th this coat's going from my shoulders down to my ankles, so <laughs> it's going to be 100 degrees like outside. Like a trench coat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Can you give I'll us you a sneak what? peek? What, what's on this thing? Oh, no. No, you can't. I got to uh, bust it out appropriately. All right, fair Those, enough. The jackets that you had made for yourself, Carrie Bubolts, and Gerard Gallant, they're going to end up in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, that's, that's good. I'm that, not that's, they, like, those, were, those are early, early iconic pieces of Vegas Golden Knights memorabilia. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, my uh, my Taylor uh, conjured them up, and uh, we made those three, and that was that was pretty cool to have Coach Gallant and uh, and uh, and President Buvold so wear those on uh, on one of the opening opening events we had down here on uh, Fremont Street. That's cool. Well, Derek, it's been an unbelievable run, obviously, and uh, you know you've been nice enough to host us on this podcast, sponsor our podcast, and uh, it's incredible that here we are, May 24th, talking about the Stanley Cup Final starting here next week. But that's where we're at, and, um, and we can't wait to see your special costume with the uh, with the first game of the Stanley Cup Final starts. For sure. Yeah, we'll be ready. I'll tell you what, we're changing we're changing a lot of things in Las Vegas. When I see it sunny, 100 degrees, this sounds like hockey weather to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. Derek, thanks so much. Hey, thanks thanks so much, guys. All right, Derek Stevens joining us from the D Hotel here on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Day podcast, hashtag SLGND. Of course, he was our guest of the day, brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company as the Golden Knights get set to open the Stanley Cup final next Monday here 
at T-Mobile Arena against the Washington Capitals. Golden Knights, of course, one of the best home teams in the NHL all season long. And they have home ice advantage for the Stanley Cup final. We're going to jump to uh, Razor Fold here. Before that, a reminder for you, Golden Knights fans, don't fight for a parking space. When you head down to a game at T-Mobile Arena, purchase your parking ahead of time. You can do it by using the Park Mobile app and score the perfect spot of the preferred parking garages of the Vegas Golden Knights. Check it out at lasvegas.parkmobile.com. That's lasvegas.parkmobile.com to reserve your parking spot today. All right, guys, razor fold. Some good ones here uh, this time around, to say the least. So, Sheriff, we'll start off with you. Razor fold. George McPhee, active at the trade deadline. Made a couple of moves. Ryan Reeves, Tomas yeah. Tatar, razor fold on the moves he made of the deadline for the Golden Knights. A raise. And for some reason, you know, you're going to hear people argue, well, what did Tatar and Reeves, this or that. You make deals there for depth. It's for going on a run. That's what you make it for. And what do they bring, the value they bring you in a playoff run? You look at some of the big trades. Look at Tampa, McDonough, J.T. Miller. Great during the regular season for bits. That's good, but it still didn't get you there. So if it gets you there, to me, that's a definite raise. Tomas Tatar, yes, one goal, but it was a huge goal. That was a big goal to score against the Sharks to get them going. Uh, or excuse me. Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Yeah. It's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then what can you say about Ryan Reeves? Now, it's not easy for both these players, but they've done a good job. I think Ryan Reeves has, has been fantastic, and he's going to be very valuable here coming up, uh, especially with the likes of Tom Wilson on the other side with Washington. Uh, if there's one guy who can quiet him, it's Ryan Reeves. And there's also that little thing that Ryan Reeves scored the conference clinching goal. In <laughs> so, his hometown. In his yeah, hometown. In his hometown. Right. So uh, I, I raise big time. They have to raise, and there's, it's sort of interesting. When he made the deal for Tatar, it was a first, a second, and a third, and everyone was like, oh, my goodness. Well, the first has quickly become either the 30th or the 31st pick, so the value of that pick has plummeted. That's plus number one for him. He, on the Reeves deal, all he did was take in money for Derek Broussard in a pass-through deal. Pittsburgh didn't have the, have the salary cap, so McPhee acquired him then moved him on, and what did he get there? He got a fourth-round pick, but he didn't take Pittsburgh's fourth-round pick. They had Vancouver's fourth-round pick from another trade. He insisted on that one. So the value of that pick is right near the top of the fourth, fourth round. It's almost a third. So the devaluation of his own first-round pick and the improved value of the fourth pick he got, it's a net of two picks. The second and a third. That's what it ends up being. And when you factor in the fact that he has Tatar for three more years, he's got two of his top six players, Neil and Perron, are unrestricted free agents. He's basically gone out and done some July 1 work already. It's a plus, plus, plus win-win, and he's in the Stanley Cup. I'm not just raising. I'm all in. Yeah. Here's the other, just real quick, Dan, the other footnote on the Broussard thing. He got involved to block Derek Broussard from going to the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. <laughs> the team they ended up beating yeah. to win the Western Conference. It's a great point. And, and I'll, uh, I'll add one more thing in here because, of course, I'm raising on it as well. But not only on the trades that he made, but also the trades that he did not make. Think about the conversation about Eric Carlson. Who knows if Carlson comes in, if that 
jump starts the Knights and helps them roll through the playoffs and instead of only losing three they lose zero I don't know <laughs> but three sweeps but but of course the identity of this team golden misfits the fact that they have depth there's no overwhelming um, leader in terms of uh, ice time if you put Eric Carlson on this team, you've got uh, a bona fide star skater. You know, Flurry's a star in goal. It's a little bit different. So I wonder if by choosing not to bring in Eric Carlson, that might have actually helped this year's team. And also, you didn't have to give away everything to Ottawa to get right. Carlson. So, so in other words, down the line, a year or two, three from now, you might be thinking, well, it's really a good thing they didn't sell the house for Eric Carlson not to be confused with William Carlson who of course was the Knights leading scorer and is a budding star but let's face it Eric Carlson is a star in a way that William Carlson is only starting to taste or John Carlson who's an unrestricted <laughs> free agent by yeah. the way yeah different spelling who you'll see in the cup final that's right um, so I'm raising is the short answer yeah, and I, I do too and, and look you they needed to they needed to add pieces at the deadline yeah, they didn't have anybody that plays didn't have anyone of Reeves's size. Not a lot of teams do um, to act as a potential deterrent. Now, you know, somebody asked me in, a, in an interview earlier today about the potential of Reeves and Wilson going at it. I don't know about it. Nobody fights anymore. Now, Wilson had a heck of a bout with Braden Coburn in game seven against Tampa. But it's more of the just in case yeah. he's there. And on top of that, as Shane said, of all people, he scores the clinching goal to win the Western Conference. So, and they needed, they wanted to add some depth. I mean, if you think about it, that that left side on their third line, they needed to augment moving forward. And that's Tatar. And as Gary pointed out, they've got him for three more years. Who knows what happens with Perron or Neil? You know, you can make an argument that he's better suited to play in the top six. Um, that hasn't happened a lot this year. It's happened here and there since he's been acquired. But uh, and the other piece of it would be, Dan, and I wonder if they do revisit the Eric Carlson thing. Who knows? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But um, they've got along just fine without him. i got to believe they would have had success. I mean, he's an elite player. But in any event, uh, so we all raise on McPhee's deals uh, at the deadline. And they've both, especially in this Winnipeg series, played yeah. valuable roles at key points in the series. Uh, all right, fellas, razor fold. So... Is this superstition or not on grabbing the conference championship trophy? So in this case, it was the Clarence Campbell Bowl goes to the Western Conference champ. Derek Anglin grabbed it. it. Wasn't like he paraded around the rink with it, but he grabbed it. He and his teammates didn't spend a lot of time on the ice with it. But anyways, uh, took a good picture in the locker room. What's your thoughts on raising or folding on grabbing the conference championship trophy? I honestly don't care what they do. Grab it, cuddle it, hug it, leave it. <laughs> Caress it, ignore it. It's it, it doesn't matter. It's just one step to where you want to be. So to me, it doesn't really matter one way or the other. Uh, I guess I can raise on it. I think the one thing the Golden Knights have always done is, is do things your own way, and uh, Ovechkin did the same thing on the other side. So it's uh, I don't think it really matters at all. Uh, so it's preference of uh, of the team and the players. And I think Flurry had a little instruction for England on that. So, uh, and, and he's got experience on maybe if you if you are superstitious, what's worked? The the, the not touching it part is preposterous. Right. Yeah. It's it's a, it's an accomplishment. It's a trophy. It's you're in the moment. Celebrate it. 
take it, bring it into your office, put it on a table in the middle of the office, and it's where it is right but now. But there's got to be limits, Gary. You can't throw the well, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, throw the goggles on and the champagne exactly. after every win like I, baseball. I, I agree, like, 100%, come on. I agree, 100. percent That's that. preposterous. That is preposterous as well. There is not. Don't overdo it. But hey. It's a, it's, you, you just made it to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. A little nod to that moment yeah. doesn't hurt. You celebrate that night and then lock, get back in lock-in mode and try and win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. There is absolutely no logic to suggesting that you're not going to win the Stanley Cup because you touched the Campbell or Wales trophy. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I'm I, more, I want to do, you're the hot baseball. I'm more, I want to get that on questionable behavior. Why? What's with this baseball? I that? agree. And and so often it's contrived. You, it you see that the plastic hanging in the, in the clubhouses and they go in and like, oh, here's a big thing of champagne. Everybody jump around for a couple of minutes. It's got to be awkward. It's got to be. Anyway, I, I, I think that Derek Anglin and frankly, Alex Ovechkin too, did the right thing. Um, I, I'll go, I'll slightly disagree with Shane and say I think it does matter in that the NHL has history and there are trophies that have been around a long time and as a show of respect to the league, let us acknowledge this trophy and lift it up, show it, not like a Stanley Cup and parade it around the ice, take a team photograph and just from a historical standpoint from the Golden Knights that you would have a photograph with this significant accomplishment, have it in the room, put it out there for people to see and then set your sights on the next trophy, the big you, one. You know who doesn't get to touch it? Who's that? The team that lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. So uh, I, I'm with you guys on, on that. I, I'm, I'm glad that Derek Anglin touched it and I'm glad Alex Ovechkin touched it and I hope that we don't have to talk about this in the future of hockey. I hope that's a thing of the past. Short and sweet, I raise on it. I don't believe in the boogeyman. I don't believe in no. jinxes or curses or ghosts. I think it has zero impact on whether you win a Stanley Cup or not. Just don't parade it all over the ice. Yeah, yeah. Grab it. Quick picture. It's sitting on a table right now in the middle of the Vegas Golden Knights office. Yeah, I took a photo yesterday. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. It's kind of cool. Final one on Razor Fold. Uh, we've had a couple of hirings in the NHL, uh, one of which made, was made official just earlier today. The New York Rangers hiring David Quinn, who leaves Boston University, and the Dallas Stars uh, hired Jim Montgomery, who left uh, the University of Denver to go to the Dallas Stars. So, Razor Fold, Sheriff, I know you love the college game. Uh, Razor Fold on hiring college coaches to take over teams in the NHL. Well, I raise on the Denver, but fold on BU. Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, can I can I do that? Can I what split a jerk. it? Sure. There's no terriers in the house. Well, when, when the likes of a David Gosher come out of BU, there's something wrong with that program. <laughs> I was just gonna say you're not gonna win. It's a rare good point comment, on your part. Yeah. I'm giving you a little boost. Uh, you know what? The coaches are coming from everywhere now. I, I think it, it, to me it doesn't matter whether you're coming from college, you're coming from junior, you're coming from the American Hockey League, the East Coast Hockey League. I'm. I, I think I'm more a raise now the young coach. I think it's a young coach generation. Uh, they have the ability to relate a lot with players. Players need more, I don't know how the word, you have to be able to relate to them. Uh, so that you can do that in two ways, either being a former player or being a young player. I think the old coach mentality is starting to fade. Uh, we've seen that with a, you know, a few guys stepping away from the game. Just uh, the game has changed, and there needs to be a different approach, a different mentality, and you see that with, and these coaches have grown up with that. So I think they, they have the ability to really connect a lot more with the players in today's game. Lawman? I, I, I'll, I'll raise on it in the fact that 
they, I like winners. John Cooper, you know, was a guy that no one really knew too much about, went to the American League, but uh, all he did was win everywhere he went, from the East Coast League wow. to the American League and then now to the National Hockey League. I don't think there has to be any particular path. NCAA is a real high level. I think uh, 10 of the 36 players in the Western Conference Final were from the NCAA. There's good, yeah. good players out there. Yeah. So uh, I, I raised on it because both these guys have shown the ability to win, Montgomery more so than Quinn. And I think that it's also worth noting that these are college coaches with significant experience, but it would be different if, say, they hired Jerry York, who's been around the college hockey game for decades. Yeah. So you're taking not only college coaches, but a new wave, a younger group of college coaches. So I raise on it as well. And to think about how the game in the United States has grown, a lot of people you know, who are new to the sport might not understand how, you know, junior hockey in Canada is the place to go. Some Canadian kids come and play American university hockey, but college hockey in Canada is not really a thing. So if you can have more attention on the college game in the United States by bringing in coaches, I, I think that that's kind of a cool thing for a college hockey, just to say, hey, look at our alumni, look at not only players, but coaches who are going to the NHL too. And I raise on it too. I, I think sometimes, you know, Dave Haxtell was the one in Philadelphia a few years ago, left North Dakota because yeah. it, it had been, I want to say it was, you have to go back to Bob Johnson, God rest him, when he left Wisconsin and went to the NHL to take over the Calgary Flames. And that was, that's 30 years ago. The last time you had a college coach leave college division one and take over as a head coach in the NHL so it hadn't happened for a long time and then Haxtell got it got, got it going and then Jim Montgomery just whatever earlier this month and now David Quinn sometimes I, I, I do think it depends on the situation you're in the Rangers made no bones about their rebuilding they're going young we saw it at the trade deadline and just knowing a little bit you know about David Quinn and the BU program when he took over that program they were not in great shape no. You know, and they had to rebuild it. They brought in Jack Eichel. They brought in Clayton Keller. They brought in Jordan Greenway, among others. So, you know, the ability to bring in some young talent, obviously, it's a little different story now because he's got a team in front of him. But um, sure, why not? Um, two, I think, real good hires in Jim Montgomery and uh, David Quinn, the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast, coming to you from the D. Downtown Vegas, the official hotel downtown here, your Vegas Golden Knights. Before we get to the fact check from Dan Duva, one final reminder for you. Bill and Carrie Fo uh, Car Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of their society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the final things in life and they look forward to hosting you during their next event all right you got your number two pencil out there dan fact check time what do you got you guys are all good with the fact checks we we fact checked a couple of them during the show like ages <laughs> and some history so uh, so we got that out of the way but i'll bring you this interesting tidbit that the golden knights and the washington capitals in each of the first three rounds clinched on the road the two teams in the stanley cup final have not yet lifted a trophy or celebrated on home ice at the end of a series. Vegas's home record is six and one, road record six and two. The Capitals are under 500 at home, four and five, but on the road, Washington was eight and two. Of course, both teams have won 12 games. Vegas has played 15 and 19 for the Capitals. 
And one team go back to the Oilers, 1988. Stanley Cup champs in fewer than 20 games. They had one sweep and three five-game series. The Golden Knights could, could win the Stanley Cup in fewer than 20 games. They've only lost three. One of these teams is going to win it for the first time. Yeah, that's a good fact, too. A long time. <laughs> that's a good book. That, that's a, yep. One of these teams is going to raise it for the first You know, the Golden Knights have only, uh, they haven't had a team for very long. No. So they've got a chance to win it, obviously, in their first season for the Capitals. They haven't been back to the final in 20 years. But that'll change when the Stanley Cup final gets underway. Game one at T-Mobile Arena coming up on uh, Monday night. Game two on Wednesday, of course. We'll have Dan will have all the games for you on uh, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Gary will join us for the third period. We'll have our Facebook Live pregame show as well. Myself, Shane, Gary, uh, we'll have you covered there. Then AT&T Sportsnet uh, for the postgame. You can check it, all, check it out over there as well. In terms of this podcast, go on iTunes, subscribe, listen, like it, like it, listen to it anytime you want. Comment. Listen, comment, listen to it 15 times a day. And um, that's it, fellas. Ready for the Stanley Cup final there, Sheriff? We've got a few more days all. to get ready. Yeah, so, let's get it going. All right, coming up Monday, game one Stanley Cup final between the Golden Knights and the Washington Capitals. Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast, along with Dan Duva. Tyler Pico working his usual magic to get everything set up. We'll talk to you next time.